powerful song, isn't it? To follow Jesus, you have to trust him because sometimes it looks like, hey, where are you taking me? But he's always taking us somewhere good. Can we trust him for that? Can we get him? Can we get that in our hearts for this new year? The new year is here. This is the last day of 2023. The next day is going to bring us into 2024. Are you ready? No? I got a thumbs up back there. I go, yeah, amen. All right, every day can be a new beginning for us, but at New Year's we celebrate, we celebrate it more pointedly. Just like I said, every day can be Thanksgiving. Every day can be Christmas. It depends what your focus is on. Are you focused on, on the Lord and the newness that he brings? And that's what New Year's helps us to focus on. It comes right after Christmas. And so... It makes sense that it comes right after Christmas because Christmas we celebrate the entrance of God into the world. And we see Emmanuel, God with us. There is a birth, and Christmas represents a new birth. When you put your faith in the Savior, behold, all things have become new. And so that brings us to New Year's. Right after the birth, the entrance of Christ, it brings a newness. And when you put your faith in Jesus, you don't just change your ways. He changes you. You become a new creation, and all things have become new. And that's good news for a lot of people because they can't escape their past. doesn't matter. Your past has been changed. All things have become new. And it doesn't matter how well you can live up to stuff because Jesus gives you a new life through his resurrection life. He comes into you and Behold, all things are new. And so that brings you to the next holiday, which comes in February, Valentine's Day, and we celebrate the love. So Jesus came in the world Christmas, we become new, and we become inundated with the love of God. And the love of God changes us so much that we go to March, which brings us to the next holiday, St. Patrick's Day, which celebrates the work and mission of St. Patrick conquering Ireland when you get changed by the Lord, you become new, you experience his love, it causes you to want to go and do something for him. It puts you on a mission for him. And it does amazing things. And it takes you to amazing places. That's the mission. That's what happens on uh, St. Patrick's Day. What's the next holiday after St. Patrick's Day? April Fool's Day. Well, what do we do with that? The preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who believe, it is the power of God. And that's how St. Patrick won Ireland, with the foolishness of the preaching of the cross. That's how we can win others, with the foolishness of the gospel. It's foolish in the eyes of the world, but to God, it's the wisdom, and it's the power to those who are being saved, and that is the blessing of the uh, April Fools. And then what, ha what comes after April Fools Day? My birthday. See? You've got everything. Even somebody's birthday in here. But uh, the next day would be Independence Day, if I'm not mistaken. Independence Day, that's what happens. You preach the gospel and you become free. You're free from the bondage of sin, free from the bondage of the law, free from the bondage of Satan, from everything that has held you back. The gospel sets you free, and there is independence in Christ. And then that takes us to September. I know I skipped somebody else's birthday, sorry. But in September, there's, there's Labor Day, 
when you experience the freedom of the Lord, you want to get busy and the labor of the Lord works through you. It's not you working, but Christ who works in you. It's by the grace of God that we accomplish things. And that brings us to Halloween, which happens to be my birthday, by the way. <laughs> but what do you do with Halloween? Well, Halloween is when you put on something that's not you. And in Halloween, we can reflect on putting on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We hide behind the righteousness. It actually, we don't hide. It becomes us. And that scares the devil. Because it's not your righteousness. It's the righteousness from on high. It's the power of God. And you put on Jesus, and you're a threat. You're a fright to the devil. Happy Halloween. It's also called Reformation Day, which they celebrated the... Martin Luther brought the Reformation to place. We've got a question here. Also, in, in, how, in the month of September, no, October, the Day of the Dead. Well, is that even the Day of the Dead is no more in Christ because Christ brings life. And so that brings us back to Thanksgiving, which is every day, because we can be thankful for what he's done. And we go through the whole season. I bet you weren't expecting a, a look at the calendar like that today and what these holidays really mean. Amen? But uh, that's what it was. So what are you expecting? And what do you expect for the new year? What do you expect in your relationship with the Lord? And I'll tell you that what we expect often often takes place. We, we often walk into what we expect. We almost have this way that we prepare for things and we're going to take them the way we prepare for them. If the weatherman tells you it's going to rain and you take an umbrella, you're going to carry that umbrella whether it rains or not. If you know that people are coming over, you make preparations. You set out the good china. You, you put a, a nice meal together. What you expect to happen is how you prepare and how you move in the days ahead. So what are you expecting for 2024? If you look on the internet, you ought to be expecting a lot of doom and gloom. Well, we need to be prepared, but the best way to be prepared is by expecting to see God work in our lives. And I'm going to suggest that we can look at the coming year, not as a year of doom and gloom, although there may be challenges. I'm sure there will be. There always are. But we have a God that we can expect to come through on our behalf. And we have a relationship with God that we can expect greater things than these, as we see in this passage that we're looking at today. So are you expecting the greater things? Are you walking in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ as if more is to come? Or are you just uh, settling with business as usual? And that's sadly the easier way to default to, business as usual. I want to encourage us this morning to not go for business as usual because we don't have a business as usual God. We have a God that does something much more beyond and greater than business as usual. And we can see it in our lives if we're expecting, if we're preparing for that. A lot of people don't and they miss it. So let's get encouraged this morning looking at these passages that we heard earlier. Let's start by looking again at uh, John chapter 1, verse 43 to 45. It says that the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. 
And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Last week I talked about the could it be of Christmas when the shepherds heard the angels say, For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior is born. They might have gone out of their heads thinking, could it be? Is this the one we've been waiting for? And remember, there was 400 years of prophetic silence between the times of the last Old Testament prophet to the coming of John the Baptist. And what we see in John chapter 1 here is John the Baptist has just entered the scene, and he is saying, behold, make way. He's saying, the Lamb of God, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Everybody went out to see John the Baptist in the wilderness. Why? Well, he was suddenly making a statement and declaring that the Savior has come. Imagine the buzz. 400 years of prophetic silence, and now the buzz around town is this nut in the wilderness dressed in these strange clothings and eating camel uh, locusts and things like that. Who is this guy? And many of them might have wanted to just go out to see what this nut looked like. And, you know, if you're a nut for the Lord, if that gets the attention, then that's the foolishness of, of God using the foolishness of the gospel, using us. I'm glad that God uses nuts because I, I qualify. Anybody with me? <laughs> oh, we agree with you. I don't know if they're with me. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, I got some mixed nuts for, for uh, Christmas, and I see that as even a prophetic sign. What is the church but a bunch of mixed nuts? <laughs> but they're so good and delicious. You see, that is what God does in our lives. But there was a buzz going around, and they said, we have found the Messiah. So uh, Nathaniel they went to Nathanael. Philip found Nathanael in verse 45, said, We have found him of whom Moses is in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And this was exceptionally too. This was a could it be moment. Our faith in Christ is a lot of could it be's. Could it be that God really loves me? Could it be that God can really work in my life? Could it be that he can erase my past and make a new beginning for me? And that's New Year's is, all, is a chance to say, could it be that this can be a different future than what I've been going through? And could it be because this is what was written in the book. Everything about Jesus was to be expected according to the writings of the law and the prophets, i.e. the Old Testament. Everything is about Jesus. When you go through this book, it is a book, the Old Testament is a book of preparation. It was a book of God's dealing with mankind. Mankind fell and could not live up to the law, and God had to send prophets to correct them, and they, they'd get corrected, and they'd backtrack, and then they'd finally he, he came to the place where they need a Messiah, they need a Savior. It was, it was already prophesied from the beginning he would send one, but the whole book points to the coming Savior. It's a book of preparation and expectation. And so you got this statement. He said, this is the one we've been looking for. This is the one it is written about. You can also see this in Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 27. The disciples on the road to Emmaus uh, were down and out because of the things that had happened. Jesus was the Messiah and he was crucified 
and they complained to him when he appeared to them. And have you not heard of the things going on? And they said that we had our hopes in this guy and, and this is what happened. And then in verse 25, he said, he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is something, again, he was saying, look, it has all been prepared. It has all been expected. This is what you should have been seeing in the scriptures. It's all there. And Jesus, of course, fulfilled so many hundreds, maybe thousands of prophecies in the Old Testament. He fulfilled them to a T. But when he expounded these things, he said, look, it's all been written about me. The book prepares us and shows us what to expect. And John even talked about this in John chapter 12. He said that these things were fulfilled, which Isaiah spoke of when he saw his glory and spoke of him. And he was referring to this passage in John chapter 12 is looking at Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw the glory of, of the Lord upon the throne. And he said, woe is me, I'm undone. And it doesn't tell you in that passage that this was Jesus. And the law and the prophets didn't say this, this is going to be Jesus, but it was telling them who to be looking for. And in fact, the name of Jesus, Yeshua, is spread throughout the Old Testament. It is the Hebrew word for salvation, and that's who Jesus is, and that's his Hebrew name, salvation. Everything about the book tells you what to expect. And so when this happened, when they came and found Nathaniel, and when John the Baptist was out there, and people were, there was a buzz around town, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what the scriptures have been talking about. It's finally here. Could it be? Could it be? And it doesn't just stay in the Old Testament. What do you expect? You can expect what the New Testament tells us about. And the New Testament tells us to expect perilous times ahead. But it also tells us to expect that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. It also tells us to expect that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It also tells us that we can expect his provision in every good thing and every deliverance. We have knowledge of the end that the world does not know. The world is expecting nothing and they're receiving terrible things. We can expect good things. Even when we receive the bad, we know that we can expect that God will work all things for good according to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Why? Because it's written in the book. What do you expect? What are you preparing for? Get into the word and you will expect the greater things that Jesus is going to talk about in a little bit here. And so they went to Nathanael, and let's go to verse 46. Nathanael didn't quite have the same expectation because he had a different expectation concerning Nazareth. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. So there's a problem here. Nazareth, I, I, I would fathom, had something of a bad reputation with Nathanael. Maybe there was something of town rivalry between where he was from and in Nazareth, something like, uh, you know, we're from Mississippi. We got some friends from Mississippi here today. You know, there's a rivalry between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, right? Are you guys Ole Miss or Mississippi State? State. State? Okay. Well, don't bring up Ole Miss because nothing good can come out of Ole Miss, <laughs> right? And uh, likewise, the other way, you know, we have prejudices. We have prejudices that change our expectations about things. 
and the Pharisees. The Pharisees had expectations about the Messiah as well. And when the Messiah stood before their face, they couldn't see him because their expectations weren't fully in congruence with what was presented to them in the scriptures. What's the difference? You know, why could some see it and some can't? I believe the difference is the heart and a humbleness in your heart, a humility. And to be able to say, my expectations may not be correct. I may need to change them. And I believe that's why Nathaniel got a good word here. He, he had the wrong expectation, but I believe his heart was willing to uh, look into it and see. And so there are people with different prejudices that hinder their growth. You might have some expectations or, may I say, lack of expectations. You don't expect God to move in a supernatural or miraculous way in your life. You expect the business as usual. But can you humble your heart and say, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe God can do greater things than I'm used to seeing. And maybe he can do more than what I have boxed him in to be. That's the problem. Jesus will defy our expectations and he won't be boxed in. And so we see this with the idea of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so Philip had a great response. He didn't try to get into a theological debate with them. Well, you see this, 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 and this, and this, or, or just investigate. No, he just said, come and see. And the world has different expectations. And we try to reason and we try to develop all these gimmicks to get them. But we need to be the same as Philip and say, come and see. Our lives need to be a come and see statement. And how do you do that? Well, by living in this expectation that the Lord is working and that there's grace for me and that his love can flow through me and that I can be obedient to him. And, and when we are sincere and not going contrary to what the word says, the problem today in the world is they see too many hypocrites who claim to love the Lord, but then they don't love others. Or they talk about righteousness and then they go and backstab somebody at work or something like that. We need to be more come and see, representing him. We need to be putting on Christ, like I, I talked about our Halloween example. We need to be putting him on and being a come and see. You know, a lot of people reject the church because they have the wrong expectation about the church. They, they see it as, oh, this is just an old religious thing, or this is just irrelevant. No, we need to say, come and see. There's love in the church. There's support in the church. There's a place for you to serve and a place for you to be heard and a place to connect community and to be able to worship and see God move and to get in on the plan of God. There's great things to be said about serving the Lord and reaching out to others and being a vessel of God's love for the community. And that's what we want to see more of as we go forward. People don't understand that. We have to say, come and see. Why, you know, just come and check it out. You know? There's going to be some things you don't understand and some, some mixed nuts there, but we could always use more mixed nuts. And also, a lot of the atheists out there, they reject Christ. They reject God because they have the wrong expectations. They have the wrong picture. They don't really have an accurate understanding of who God is. And that's where we, again, we don't have to get into theological debates. We have to be come and see. Hey, no, it's not that way. Because a lot of these atheists, if we, if, you know, if we understood that they're believing something about the Lord, 
we might agree with them and say, well, if it was that way, we'd be kind of upset and not believe as well. But that's not the way God is. There's a lot of wrong representations of God out there. And like Nathaniel said, can anything good come out, of the Na- come out of Nazareth? We'll come and see. We'll show you what can come out of Nazareth. And a lot of them are saying, can anything good come out of the Bible? You know, the Bible is the cause of all my problems, they think. No, the Bible is the answer. The Bible has the life you're seeking. The Bible has the key to your eternity and your significance and everything your heart is searching for, but searching for in all the wrong places. Come and see. There's something greater here. Change your expectations. And for us who believe, maybe we don't get into the Word enough because we don't expect it to do much more. Oh, I know what it says. Oh, I've been there, done that. But are you expecting that it can say more? You know, the old rabbis, they would say that there's going to be endless eternal discussions about what the meanings of Scripture can bring out because there's such depths to it, and we only get a little smidgen on the surface, and sometimes God gives us greater revelations, but in eternity, we're going to just see the depths and the meanings come forward that are going to astound us. And the joy now is to expect that we can receive revelation now. When you go to the Word, pray, ask God to bring revelation, and keep coming back until He does. Come and see. There is power in the Word of God, and there's power to change your heart, and there's power to make Jesus more glorious in your life, that you can desire Him more than you ever thought. But you got to have that expectation, and you have to be after it. And he will not let you down. Now's a good place to say amen. So now, verse 47. Nathaniel just said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Uh Uh-oh. Have you ever said something at the wrong time and uh, you realized maybe you had been talking about somebody and they were just right behind you? (laughs) He's standing right behind me, isn't he? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Insert foot into mouth. Um, This wasn't quite the same. Jesus wasn't standing behind him, and yet Jesus knew exactly what he said, and, and Nathaniel's confronted here. You know me, you saw me under the fig tree. Oops, he heard what I said. And this is just where Jesus comes in and shows who he really is. He is is a loving, kind, and gracious Savior. He didn't come to Nathaniel and say, I heard what you said about me. Well, listen, bud. No, instead, he said nothing but kind words to him. Behold, Here's an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. That's why I believe that Nathaniel got it where Pharisees didn't because there was no insincerity in his heart. His heart was, was sincere even though he had the wrong expectation. The Lord comes to him with words of grace. I saw you under the fig tree. Oh, no, no, it's okay. You're a great guy. That's more or less what he said to him. And it melted Nathaniel's heart. What did uh, John do in the book of Revelation when he saw the glorified Christ? When he saw the glorified Christ, he fell at his feet as if dead, it says in Revelation chapter 1. 
you know, we see all these pictures of Jesus and they all have sad looks on his face and everything. I believe there was a glory coming out of him even when he walked this earth. But when you see him in glory, who's going to be able to stand before him? John himself, the, the beloved apostle, the one whom Jesus loved, he fell at his feet as dead because the glory was so overwhelming. Probably wasn't expecting that. And yet Jesus had nothing but a kind word for him. He said, do not be afraid. Picked him up. The Apostle Paul, when he was going after the church, persecuting Christ's people, saw a shining light and fell, fell down on the road to Damascus. And what was he expecting? Probably the judgment of God to fall upon his head as he had realized at that moment that he was on the wrong side, that he was persecuting the wrong people. And here he heard this voice say to him, now I'm going to show you who we are. No, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It wasn't the voice of an angry judge hammering down on his head. It was the voice of, it sounded like a friend saying, hey, why are you, why are you coming after me like this? That's the kindness of God. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. Peter, when he denied Christ three times, first of all, Jesus told the women, go tell Peter. It's like, make sure you tell him, I'm, I'm here. And then when he saw Peter, it wasn't saying, now I want to give you a little bit of rebuke. I want to give you a little bit of discipline here. No, he just said, Peter, do you love me? And he gave him instructions what to do. When, when Paul was knocked down, he said, why are you persecuting me? Paul said, who are you, Lord? Paul had the expectation that there was going to be judgment and a hammer coming down upon him. But when that didn't happen, he had to alter his thing and say, who, who is this God? Who are you? I was expecting this, but you're talking to me, and, and now what? See, God wants to interact with us even though we've said the wrong thing, we've done the wrong thing, We've been in the wrong place, and yet he's not there to condemn us. He came to save us, and he wants to give us instructions of what he wants us to do. You mean I can actually be used by the Lord Almighty? I can be used even though I just said the wrong thing right there? Yes, that's the grace of God. And maybe there are people here today who have felt like they've really blown it, and I don't know what to do because I... How could God ever take me back? You've got a warrant right here to see that Jesus, throughout Scripture, speaks kindly to whoever comes back to him. We could go through the prodigal son story. Some of you are familiar with that, about the son who squandered his father's wealth and left to go live in riotous living, they called it. The old English said riotous living. I don't know what you call it today. Debauchery. Now, that's old English, too. He lived ungodly. Let's just put it that way. And he decided at the end when it wasn't paying off and he was at his lowest in the dump with the pigs, he said, I must go back to my father. And he was expecting that he would have to lower himself to be a servant in his father's household. He, he went back to the father rehearsing, make me a servant. I will be your servant. He had that expectation. And there comes his father in this parable that Jesus told saying, throw him a party. Put on a robe, kill the fattened calf. We're going to have a party. My son's alive. I can imagine he was saying, Lord, uh, Father, help me be a servant. He was just hugging him. The father runs to him, hugs him, receives him. And this is a picture of the grace of God. 
If you've done something, if you feel like you can't return to him, change your expectation. There are dogs I've seen who are afraid to come up to me because I want to show them love and I want to pet them, but they've been beaten or abused or something and they won't trust another human. And, you know, you ever try to get a, a dog, come on, come on, or some little animal, it's like, and you know, you know you're not going to hurt them. And in fact, you're going to make them feel really loved, but they're just so afraid because they have the wrong expectations. And some of us are like that with the Lord. We're afraid to give our all to Him because we're afraid He's going to do something that we, He's going to make us do something we don't want to do, or He's going to bring something into our life that we're not happy about. We're not thinking about how much He wants to show us His love and how He has nothing but goodwill for us and that we can trust Him. We can follow Him and trust Him knowing that He's there as a gracious God for us. Even when we mess up or say the wrong thing, like Nathaniel, he can say, hey, I know that you're an Israelite indeed. That's the blessings. And when you enter into His grace, and this is really the gist of what I'm saying today, God is a God of great grace for us. Grace is not a license to sin. It's a freedom from sin. But it's a knowing that God is for you, not against you, that God wants to be everything to you and have a relationship with you. When, when I preached in China for many years, I wasn't a grace preacher in this respect. I was more of the Bible thumper, hammer them on the head and tell them, you've got to repent or burn kind of preacher. And that's the kind of stuff I actually liked at the beginning because it challenged me and it made me feel convicted. I said, yeah. And uh, I started to see everything that was wrong with the church. And I'd go into churches and say, you need to stop this. You need to get this right and all this and this and this and this. And I'd go home and preach that way when we preached in churches in the States and stuff. And uh, well, I guess it was okay. People were gracious with me. They still had me come back and things like that. But it wasn't until I got a hold of this message of grace that God is not angry with you. He's not even in a bad mood what? I, I would expect that he's pretty disappointed with me. I would expect that he's, he's holding something over me. No, he's not even in a bad mood. Well, that sounds too good to be true. Well, that's what the gospel means, too good to be true news. He's not in a bad mood because all his wrath and our sin has been punished. All of that has been satisfied at the cross. He's taken it out on Jesus so that he can be just and the justifier of people like us and to love us unreservedly even though we don't deserve it. Unreserved for the undeserved. <laughs> unreserved love for undeserved sinners. And he doesn't leave us that way. He changes us. But when we got a hold of this message of his goodness and grace and kindness, it changed my relationship with the Lord. It changed our relationship in our home with my family, and it changed our ministry in China. You know, there had been many years we're saying, Lord, open the doors for us. We want to go into the churches. We want to build up the pastor. We want to come alongside them, help them to plant church, things like that. And it never happened until we got this message right. And when we did get the message right, the Lord opened all kinds of doors for us to go and share the love of God with a hurting church that was beaten down with legalism and duty, and I gotta be better, 
and better. And I just praised God and thanked him that he had kept those doors shut that whole time because I would have just caused more damage and added more problem to what they had, very duty-bound and legalistically tied to this idea that God is always angry and holding something over them. And you better get it together because the church is a mess. And it never worked anyway, but when we started to preach, hey, you're a mess, but God loves the mess. And he can bring a message out of your mess. That's when we saw revival take place. We saw people's lives change. We saw people set free from the wrong expectations. And they grew. And to this day, uh, that's a, something I have to keep coming back to because it's so easy to fall back into this. We got it all messed up. We got we to gotta fix everything. No, God's the one that fixes it, but he wants us to trust him and expect love from him and not be like the fearful puppy that's afraid to give everything to its master. So the next verses, as we finish this up, 49 to 50. <clears throat> Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. So Nathanael was amazed and he didn't just give a theological statement there. This was the response of his heart. His heart was like, this, you're greater than I thought. You saw me, and, and even though I spoke this way, you, you're receiving me. And, and something really touched him, the presence of God, presence of Jesus. I don't know. But Jesus answered him and said, you think that's something? There's more to come. There's more to come. And that's a word for all of us. Some of us have been Christians for a long time, and we just feel like we're going back into business as usual, or we're used to it. And we got to remember that, do we believe? We can see greater things than these. No matter where you are in your Christian life, you can grow. Some of you may not even have started, but you can start now. What a great time to start now in a new year, and to make this new year a new beginning for a new you and a new relationship with the Lord. If you've been a Christian for a week, a month, years, it can be new just as much because God's not finished. What he's done in our lives is only the beginning, and we get our expectations diminished when we think, well, I guess this is, I'm on cruise control now, or if I can just survive. God doesn't want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive in him. And he has so much more for us. And I think so many people miss the more because they're not expecting any more. And there are, there are teachers out there in the church who are telling people not to expect more. And there are people pointing out to the, the, the nuttier mixed nuts and saying, see, you don't want to be like that. And there's just problems everywhere when our expectations are being manipulated we need to go back to what the Word says. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? Does Jesus ever stop doing greater things than these? We talked about how he came 
as a baby last week, and it didn't stop there. He dwelt among us, and it didn't stop there. He, he ministered to us, and it didn't stop there. He died for us, and then he rose again. He just keeps getting greater the more you open it up. Remember the Matryoshka doll, the Russian nesting doll? You, there's another one in there, another one in there, and finally it comes to a stop. With Jesus, it's the gift that keeps giving, only it doesn't stop. It's the opposite. Somehow you just keep opening, and it gets bigger and bigger, and it keeps going until... There's a resurrection, and then there's an ascension, and then and not only that, but he's going to raise us up, and not only that, he gives us a kingdom, and not only that, we rule and reign with him forever, and there's just all kinds to come because Jesus is Lord, and he's not anticlimactic. Do you expect greater things in your Christian walk in the days ahead? Do you expect greater things, or have you been conditioned and settled with business as usual? And I'm not condemning anybody who has. I'm saying, hey, let's have a happy new year. Let's start to expect greater things than these. We have a hope. And William Carey had a hope. William Carey was an uneducated shoe cobbler. You know, uh, some of you know who he is, but he was the founder of Modern Missions. He was an uneducated shoe cobbler. He ended up becoming a professor of languages. I think he translated the Bible into 36 different dialects. He started many different Bible schools. He, he did incredible work in India. And you know what he was famous for saying was, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. See, a lot of people won't attempt anything for God because they don't expect anything from God. But we need to expect and to have hope. And when you do, you'll go out on a limb. Faith, a lot of people have convictions. They're grounded in the conviction of the word. Conviction is good, but conviction needs to be coupled with faith. Faith doesn't ground you in the word. Faith takes the word and puts you on a limb, attempting And you can do great things when you can expect great things from the Lord. And it goes back to, again, do we expect it? A lot of people uh, are getting older. Some of us are getting older. (laughs) What's your expectation? I can't tell you how many people have said, this is what's going to happen to you when you get old. (laughs) Okay, thanks. I'm going to expect it now. (laughs) Well, this is just what happens when you get old. And and. You know, we've all, we're all guilty of this, right? But, you know, let's stop saying I'm getting old. You know, I'm, yes, I'm getting older, but I'm not getting old. Hey, if, if Moses lived to be 120 years and it says his strength was not abated nor his vision dim, if, it, if the Lord did for Moses, why can't he do something like that for me? <laughs> you know, don't get your hopes up, right? We're supposed to get our hopes up. And, you know, what's, what's wrong if you, like Confucius said, if you shoot for the stars and miss them. Maybe you'll hit the moon. But a lot of people don't shoot for anything. I think the Wayne Gretzky hockey star quote was, uh, every shot you don't take, you're going to hit. You know, (laughs) nothing. Right? Why don't we have bigger expectations? Well, you don't want to get your hopes up. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's been a prayer of mine lately. 
There's not a lot of abounding in hope out there, but we need to be those walking in hope. And you say, well, what if I get my hopes disappointed? You probably will. There will be times that you'll get your hopes disappointed. But keep going. Don't give up because there's going to be a lot of hopes that carry you through and to give you power and strength to, to see God come through. In our family, we had a very serious medical situation, and I was wondering if it was going to keep us out of China back in our earlier days. And the doctor was wonderful. He said, no, it's nothing. You can handle it. It's great. And he smiled, cheerful, optimistic, and he was unlike most doctors. Most doctors are going to give you the worst-case scenario because they want to cover themselves. If it doesn't turn out the way they said, they, they covered themselves. So they put in you the worst-case scenario, and then now you've got this expectation on what they've said. I'm so thankful for a doctor we had who helped us get our expectations up. Well, what if it got disappointed? Thankfully, in that situation, it wasn't disappointed. But there will be disappointments. Life has disappointments. Don't let a disappointment stifle hope. We want to abound in hope. And if you feel like you can't, go to the Lord, whom that scripture says you can expect this to come from, and pray the very scripture that we're looking at. Lord, you are the God of help, hope. Fill me with all joy and peace and believing and help me to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the whole basis for our hope we can find in the last verse here, verse 51. Jesus said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. See, Nathaniel said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And this is what came out of Nazareth. He talked about the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And any good, sincere Israelite would have understood that this is a reference to a scripture back in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 to 17. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold... The Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. What a promise, what a glorious dream. And Jacob awoke from this sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. 
You realize when Jesus said that you're going to see greater things than these, he was referring to himself as Jacob's ladder with angels ascending and descending upon him. And the reality of Jacob's ladder was expressed in those words, God is in this place, and I didn't know it. And Jesus was saying basically to Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than these. You can have hopes. You can have all these promises that you've heard about from the Messiah because God is in this place. I am Jacob's ladder, and I am the door to heaven. And angels attend me ascending and descending. I am the one that bring you to heaven, and I am the one that brings God to you. I am the portal. I am the connection. I am the bridge. I am Jacob's ladder. And this is the connection between heaven and earth standing in your midst. And a true Israelite indeed would say, God is here. And with God, nothing is impossible. And God is gracious. And God has addressed me. And God is speaking to me, and God is inviting me to climb this ladder. As God climbs down it to me, I go up it to him. Angels attend to us. Do you know angels are called ministers of fire? They attend to the heirs of salvation. In Christ, we have the service of angels that can accompany us and strengthen us and make the way. They're ministers sent to the heirs of salvation. But it's all in Christ. It's all God's goodness. It's, are you expecting the favor of the Lord? Are you expecting the power of the Lord? Are you expecting the closeness of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the fellowship of the Lord, the help? And most of us just really don't expect it. We believe it because it says it. But when it comes down to practical, practical works, we're just trying to make it through the end of the day. And so what do you do with that? Well, you come and hear a message like this and get encouraged to go back and change your expectations. And then you encourage others. And then you keep coming back. And then you keep admitting to the Lord when you fall short of it and understand that he speaks kindly to you and says, okay, you're a true Israelite still. Let's, get, let's keep going. And we continue. And the more we come back to him, and remind ourselves that he is greater and that he is doing greater things and that amazing grace doesn't get less amazing and there's more to discover, then we'll keep going and we'll have his power and strength. And so for New Year's, I always say, resolutions, eh, everybody makes them, nobody keeps them. Instead of resolutions, there's reminders and remind ourselves that God is good Remind ourselves that he's doing greater works than these. Remind ourselves that he is with me and he's not left me nor forsaken me. Remind ourselves that he died and rose again. Remind ourselves that this isn't the end that we're seeing out there. There's a greater end coming and that there is redemption coming for those who are faithful. And remind ourselves that he will help our faith when it's weak. He'll be our strength. And remind ourselves that there are promises that can help us get through the trial that's facing us at this moment. And remind ourselves to go back into the presence of God and, and receive them. And remind ourselves to do good to others and to receive good from others. And to, and to not be prejudiced in our expectations. 
but to say, Lord, what you expect, I want to expect. And you've shown me what to expect in this word. Teach me your word. I expect you will because you've promised through the Holy Spirit to those who come sincerely and humbly to you. With that, I want to offer us a New Year's prayer. Lord, we thank you that you've gotten us through another year. And every day that you get us through, thank you. And thank you that you've given us all that you've given us. And we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that we have yet to see what you're capable of in our lives. You've just begun. And even great things we've seen, you can do greater. So, Lord, help us this year to walk into the greater things than these. I pray for each person here that there be a greater walk with you. If, if anyone does not have a walk, that you would touch their lives today and draw them to yourself. I pray, Lord, for those who have walked with you who are feeling weary and tired, there'd be new life, a new beginning for the new year, and that there'd be great things ahead uh, that we would see everything coming forth in your power to compensate for all the evil we see that's coming from the other side. Help us, Lord, to be a shining church full of expectation and hope and not disappointed in these things. And we'll give you praise and glory and thank you and love you for it and thank you for everything already in Jesus' name. Amen.